we have a problem uh, uh, with Lord's sin, but on the other hand, Lord, we're not thanking you for the sin problem, but for the way that you take care of sin in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that we have that. I pray today that you guide us, direct us, open our minds of understanding, our hearts. And Lord, may we comprehend what we're hearing today and what we're saying. And Lord, may this be a great study that we'll know more about the Scriptures when we leave here today than we did when we came in. And Lord, many of it that's going to be said today is just uh, bringing back to our remembrance things that we already know. And Lord, that's good. And I appreciate, Lord, you rattle the chains in our heart to know, Father, that we've heard this before and may be settled in our heart. We'll give you the glory for it. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. In this week, we, this, has been a, this has been a busy week, if you think about it. Probably hadn't thought about it, but I'm going to give you this. And, and the economic situations, the world situations all around the country, things that's going on, we've seen... Uh, in our this week, how that they raided Mar-a-Lago and took those documents, and now they're having a big battle in the war. And you said, why would you mention that here today? Well, simply because it's showing what's happening, what's going to happen, and the other problems. The other thing that's been brought up is where you notice this or not, but uh, seven hundred and eighty thousand. IRS agents have been or in the process of being hired, and all of them is going to be armed. Did you, sir? What did I say? I got it turned. Got I noticed it. I know it's eighty-seven, but somehow old and senile. What's they call that? Transposed. Eight hundred. Yeah, there you go. Eighty-seven thousand uh, agents, and they're armed, and. Uh, what that is, and that's, that's for a takeover uh, down the road. Somebody said, ain't so. They said it's for the big corporations, I think. Go ahead. I did the math on it. It's about 26 per county if you spread them out evenly. I know some counties are heavily populated, but by population, it's one per 4,000 people. So I'm not sure what the population of the average family is. But that's how many we get. Yeah. Well, did you hear? Did you see? I, I read a thing on uh, Franklin Graham, and I'm not a big fan of Franklin Graham on everything about his stands on sin and things like that. But I, I admire Samaritan's Purse, all that stuff he's got, and he says it's a problem. He's real concerned about it because he's already been audited a time or two back in the days past of that thing, and he said uh, that's that's another problem that's going to come up, and he's go, he's looking for that. This morning, I got a little news thing that's saying that the Southern Baptist Convention in Georgia is concerned about them being audited now with all these. Now, they said it's going to be for big corporations that have got all these things, and that's, that's a pretense of what they're doing with, uh, with the former president. You know, saying that they went down, said they went down to get the documents on uh, nuclear codes and all that stuff. But they say it's more than that and deeper than that. And how many knows uh, Andrew Clyde or knows of him? Andrew he's Clyde said, huh? He's yeah. Re- Andrew Clyde said, don't take that at face value. It's deeper than what they're saying. Yeah. said what they're going to do is they're going to come into 
uh, into the uh, small businesses and it's going to come into the church business. Church people are worried about it now all across the country because they're trying to shut the churches down. That's exactly what the agenda is in the country. They're wanting to shut the churches down and get rid of us so that their agenda can be put in. They done took our Bible away. They done took our prayer away. They done took the Ten Commandments away from us. They don't want us affiliated with God in no form, shape, or fashion. And so this is a terrible time. I'm looking for the Lord to come, but we may have to face some of it. But I'm saying this is what we're at today. Now, you probably didn't think nothing about this. Don't let it go. But I'm going to tell you something. It's not something you can forget. It's not something you can slide over your head. Ain't that right, brother? This is something that's going to take over. And we're all going to be faced with it. And they do it through food and gas and all those sort of things. They said by 2030, we're not going to own anything and we're going to be happy. And I hear people, I say that all the time. And you know what they tell me? Some of y'all even said it. How going to be happy? I ain't got nothing. You're going to be happy because you can put a bite of food in your mouth because that's the only you're going to get it from them. Understand? You can't get in your car and go nowhere unless they let you go. You're going to be happy that they'll let you get out. It won't be your car. You've been borrowing it. That's right. You ain't going to own nothing. I'm telling you, I can't get people to open their eyes and see that that's where we are. Now, that's not the lesson today. Is this building all these apartments around us to have Yeah, you're trying to get everybody in the city. Yep. They're taking them out of the country, bringing them into the city. You got something to say? They've been doing it for years and years and years. And you know right now you don't own as much as you think you own right now. Well, it was called Agenda 21. Yeah. And Trump intervened in the midst of that by God's hand and pushed it to Agenda 2030. I'll tell you something else. and This is Dillsology here. I don't have nothing to back me. But I'm just going by what I've seen them do. I don't expect us to have... Uh, they see. They say the Republicans are going to win the House and the Senate and they're going to take over and they're going to reverse and straighten some of this stuff out. Not with the president, but when they get a president in. And, it, and this is going to come up in November. But I dare say that we'll have an election. I've said this before. I ain't so sure we'll have another that the Republicans are going to win. I believe they've got it. Because if somebody comes in and changes the agenda, they're going to lose ages and years of time and they can't get... They're moving fast. Everything is moving fast. And I look for something to happen before November that's going to change everything. It may not. I hope you can look at me and say, thought you said it. Amen. I hope you can say that. I hope I'm wrong. You see what I'm saying? All right. Today, we're going to study on something different. We're going to the Bible doctrines. And today, we're going to study about the Bible doctrine, the number one of God. And it's actually, today, it's called theology. Not too many people know about theology. Have you ever, I've made statements sometimes, well, his theology is wrong. And lots of people have got theology. You know what theology is? It comes from the word theos, the Greek word theos, which means God. 
and it comes from also got the word ology on it. So, uh, if it's got ology on it, it means it's the study of. So, theology is the study of God Almighty or the study of God. That's theology. Now, you can have the theology of man, you can have the theology of the world, you can have the theology of science. And you can have the theology of, well, just name a hundred hundred things, and you can get that theology. Theology is a study of it. Biology, that's a study uh, of nature and things, uh, and just natural things. And, uh, you know, that's where you get it. So remember theology. Everything that they call theology, they'll have a, they'll say he's a doctor of theology. That means he's passed the rules and get. But you can have a theology of God and not even know God. Be honest with you. It's all up here. And it's not up here we need it. We need it down the heart. So we're just looking at these things and we put it together. And I want you to turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 55. Now we're going to use our Bible quite a bit today. Isaiah 55. And I hope I can uh, cover as much ground as I'd like to cover so that you'll have something to dig on for a while and uh, keep a going with it. We're going to the 55th chapter of the book of Isaiah. Now I love the book of Isaiah. Isaiah uh, covers a lot of ground. It's got 66 books. Amen. Uh, or 66 chapters, excuse me. And uh, isn't that strange? That's how many books is in the Bible. Amen. Just to think about. But in chapter 55 of the book of Isaiah. We want to read, start reading at verse number 8. And I'm going to read three verses here. He said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Now we know who it's talking about, don't we? God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We can't think like God because we don't have a mind of God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Amen. We don't live like God because we don't. That's why we stagger and stumble so much. He said, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's on a different plane, a different level. Now, we can climb up to the, uh, the little ladder of success of where we think we're somewhere, but we never will get to where God is till we get in His presence. And he said in verse 10, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, or turns but round, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You've heard that many times in your life, haven't you? God will send His Word, and it will not return unto Him void, but it will accomplish what He sent it for. And His Word is sent forth. It's higher than I, higher than us. And so today, we were looking at it. So I'm looking at this thought this morning that we have an infinite God speaking this. Infinite means there's no limit to Him. We're finite people. And that means we have a, a limit. We'll only be here so long. There's an ending to our life here on this earth. We're not infinite. 
he's infinite. He's always been and always will be. Now, these are doctrines that we're going to look at and we need to get at. Listen, the world needs to understand this. Church people don't understand what I'm going to be dealing with today. A lot of them know a little bit about it, but we need to get down to the whole crunch of it and make sure we know what we're talking about. But here is an infinite God is transcending the finite, limited mind of man, the finite uh, dependence of man. In other words, we can't depend on nobody but God, but we depend on others. We're just finite. I can't depend on people, but just so far. They'll let me down. You can't depend on me. I'll let you down. I can't depend on you. You'll let me down. We're finite. But God can go beyond, over and above, what we can uh, do. And then we cannot today depend on the mind of man. It gets tainted and twisted and warped and turned. But we trust the infinite power of God. Infinite. He's infinite. The reason I say infinite, He always has been. He always will be. There's never been a time when God was not. Now that's hard to uh, hard to comprehend, isn't it? Your little brain and my little brain can't understand why there's a God in heaven that has never had a beginning. We've all got a birth certificate. But God don't have one. He's always been. And uh, we're going to look at that characteristic a little bit more as we get into it. Now, just to back up all this, we're going to start looking in our scriptures and getting these scriptures together. Look at Job chapter 11. Job is just right before the book of Psalms. So if you find the book of Psalms, we'll go to the book of Psalms and we'll look at the 11th chapter of the book of Job. Now, go, get, go find the book of Psalms, back up one, and then go to the 11th chapter of it. In Job chapter 11 and verse... 7 down through 23. We're going to read these because it's important. We're going to have a lot of Bible and matter of fact that's what we need. More Bible, right? The Bible said in chapter 7, count thou by or canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? You read the rest of that down through there and you'll see some more but look at verse 23. Or, or see, let's see, uh, no, chapter 23. Slide over to Job 23. I'll give you them other verses, but this and here's what I want you to see, and I can't even read my own notes this morning. Job chapter 23. Go to Job 23. Job chapter 23. I want to read uh, three or four, uh, three, two or three verses in chapter 23. 23, 3. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Job's asking the question. If I just knew where he was, he's looking for him. Every human being ought to search that. You ought to try to find where God is, who God is. Many don't care because they deny it. We'll talk about that in a minute, the statistics on all this stuff and, and so forth. I'm going to give you the different ideas and views of what people in your day and in my day have been teaching, are teaching, and will teach uh, the rest of their days about God. If you never get this thing settled about who God is, most people don't know who God is. They don't know who Christ is. They don't know who the Holy Spirit is. You understand what I'm saying? 
They've heard of them. They know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. But how much do you know of God? What do you know of Christ? What do you... And, you know, the way they say... And then even in the New Testament it said, uh, Who is Christ? Or whose son is He? And we just pass all that off our minds sometimes. Now, you folks know more about it than a lot of people do. But they're not getting what you're getting and studied down through the years and seeing it. Because some of the preachers won't deal with these kind of things. But as we look at Job, Job tells us something in chapter 23, verse number 8. He gives us something else. Job said, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. I've even seen the scripture where he said, uh, they searched for God, looked at him and said, uh, and he said, uh, you know, even looked looked in hell and different places. They can't find him. Remember, they looked uh, you know, in Revelation to find Jesus, and they said they looked in the earth, uh, under the earth, above the earth, and so you know, find one that's worthy to loose the seals thereof. You remember that? So people are, don't know where to look and who to look to. Where is where is where is God's uh, house? Where's His throne at today? Where does He dwell? That's where Jesus dwells. I'm told, where's God dwell? Everywhere. Where's heaven? See, I'm asking questions to get you to think. Well, but God... Uh, here's the song. We sing it sometimes. Just think about it. This song keeps me straight. Uh, Psalm 48. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in, in the city of our God. In the mountain of His holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the sides of the north, the city of the great King. That's where He dwells. He dwells in the sides of the north. That's amazing to me. Uh, and everybody puts their headstones facing the east. But he dwells in the north. You ever thought about that? Uh, not too many know where he's at. But that's where he is. He's in the sides of the north. Have you ever heard of talk? They look and, and, and out the sides of the north, they've seen such a vast domain and a vast hole in the, in the, inner, inner, in the uh, universe. Y'all heard that, haven't you? Uh, there's such a dark hole in the sides of the north. Yeah. Uh, scientists have come up with things like that. And I'm saying to myself, well, you're too stupid to look in the Bible and find out that's where God is back there. He don't want you to see Him. See? So, it's it's amazing to look at it. So, Job said, I go forward, he's not there. I look backward, he's not there. And now look at verse number 9. He said, on the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Now we know Christ, this is talking about God. Job is talking about God here. God's in the sides of the north. But Christ is always, remember, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. You're right on that. And that'll always be that way till he gets up, comes and gets the saints of God. Verse 10, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now Job had the right to say that. He'd been in a lot of problems. And then he goes on to say in verse 11, My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. 
neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now that's a, a verse that you ought to hide in your heart. In other words, if, if, if the Word of God is more precious to us than necessary food, that means we ought to spend as much or more time in trying to find what we can from the Word of God than we do to eat biscuits and taters. Right? It's our job to know. I'm, I'm reading my Bible every day just to find out what I can know about God, what I learn about Him. And I... Hey, if you know I know everything about God this morning and wrote on everything I know, I was thinking, I looked at one of the notebooks I had yesterday. I got a, I picked up a notebook and I wrote just like this all the way through it. I got many of them. And I've wrote a lot of words and letters down through the years. And some of it, I read it now and I say, where in the world did I get that? That's good. Don't even remember preaching it. But I guess I did. Or either I've still got it to preach. And, uh, but the Bible said if we, uh, if everything is told about Christ or wrote about Christ, the world wouldn't be able to contain the books. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff, ain't it? So we need to know more about Him this morning. And we don't know much about God. I believe you'll agree with me this morning. We don't know much about God. No. We know a little. Amen. What I've learned scares me to death because I ain't doing my part with it. But what I'm trying to say I've learned a lot, but there's a lot more I don't know. And we just keep working on it. So we see that. Now go to Isaiah chapter 40. I'm just trying to get to you the thought that God, there's a God that's in control, control, and we're going to look at it. The more we know of Him, the better off we'll be. So we're going to Isaiah. you got Psalms and Proverbs and uh, Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and Isaiah. So we get on over to Isaiah. When we get to Isaiah, we're going to chapter 40. This is a good chapter if you read that whole chapter when you get an opportunity to read it. Chapter 40 is good. But chapter 40 and verse 18, I want to pull a verse out of that chapter. And he says, To whom then will ye liken God? If you tried to draw a picture of God, what would you draw? And God don't want you doing that. I had a fellow the other day send me a little picture and it was he said oh this is the most prettiest picture I've ever seen of Jesus in all my life and he said what do you think of this and uh, it was nice it was a, it was a Jesus young and uh, he looked at that and he said uh, what do you think of it he's in the flea market business he's trying to sell it to me I suppose and he was trying to sell me a Bible at the same time, and I, it wasn't King James, and no, he knew I wasn't going to buy it. But he said, this is the prettiest picture of Jesus. I said, uh, have you ever seen Jesus? He said, no. I said, well, I've seen some of his pictures when he was uh, on the earth uh, that's been portrayed at it, but it's not what we see today. I always picture Jesus with long hair. I don't believe he had that. Nope. The reason I say that is because he says, does not nature teach you man have long hair is a shame unto him? You think the Lord would wear it? It being a shame unto a man? Nope. That's the reason I talk to people and they say something about, well, a little wine for the stomach's sake. And I say, okay. Jesus didn't drink wine. Oh, he did. He made 
a water. He made wine in chapter 2 of John. Don't say he drunk it. And at the same time, it wasn't fermented wine. How do you know it wasn't fermented? Woe unto the man that puts the bottle to his neighbor's lips. And if Jesus had drunk it, or if he had made it, amen, or he helped somebody else to get it, amen, he wasn't a a wine bibber and he wasn't a bartender. Amen. Think about That's it. Right. If he had, he had had sin in his life and he couldn't have died for me on the cross of Calvary. That's right. So, I, I, I go from that. So, and he said, To whom then will ye liken God? Or what likeness will ye compare unto him? If you was going to draw a picture, what would you draw a picture of Christ or of God? What would you do? People draw pictures all the time. I don't try it. People put pictures on them as tattoos. And they say, you know, claiming all those things. Well, you know what the Lord said? He have us not to make any graven image unto Him. Now, I know drawing and graven image is maybe two different things at the same time. But why did He say that? Because if you're going to make an object in recognition of God, you're going to make that object to something that you've seen. Something that you've likened it to or something that comes up in your imagination. And no man has seen God at any time. The Bible said that uh, the only begotten Son of the Father, He hath declared Him. But no man has ever seen God. He told Abraham, I mean not Abraham, but Moses, you can't see me. But I'll put you in a cleft of the rock. And uh, he, he went by and, and Moses saw the hinder parts of Him and he didn't even see the glory of God. Had he seen him face to face, he couldn't have lived anyhow because beyond man, yeah. more man can handle. You understand that? So what happens is looking at that, if you made an image of God or draw a picture of God, you'd draw it after something you've seen before. Yep. So you'd have it all wrong. You've never seen him. Yeah. See? And that's why God's saying. So he said here, to whom then... Uh, will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare unto Him? So, Job, I mean, Isaiah put that in there for us to understand. Now, we're going to back up a little bit and go back to the book of Deuteronomy. That's the fifth book of your Bible. Matthew, I mean, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. That's called, the first five books of the Bible is called what? Somebody want to tell me? The Pentateuch. And it's also called the Law of Moses. It's all Deuteronomy uh, told it yet twenty nine twenty nine. That ought to be easy to remember. It's amazing to me some of these numbers I think, boy, twenty nine twenty nine. When I studied this I thought, boy, I ought to be able to remember that again. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. Now it's been a couple of days and I don't even know it. I hadn't had to look it up again. Uh, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. The Bible said in Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. The secret things. I can can I know the mind of God? To have to know the mind of God, I have to have the mind of God. I know part of the mind of God. The part that God has revealed in His Word, I can know that. I can't explain every bit of that. But I just don't know Him the fullest. Uh, somebody says, if I know my heart, 
if I know my heart, this is what I want to do or this is what I desire to do. The fact is, we say that a lot of times and we don't know the, uh, the mind of God. Right? We don't. I can't know the mind of God. My mind is not, it's not an infinite mind. It's a finite mind. I'm limited to what I can know. Uh, all of us in this building has got what they call an IQ. All our IQs are different. Amen. Whether we want to believe it or not, there's somebody smarter than we are. Somewhere. Or at least I think they are. And their IQ might prove that. But I might be smarter than some things that they not even, don't even know about. So I don't like going around bragging about IQs. Because my mind can't comprehend God. He said, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law of this law. The reason I'm pre teaching this lesson today is because I want to show you what God has revealed to us that we know. What we know from this book, we don't have to question. Right? And if we don't know it from this book, we're not going to be very helpful to somebody else. I know that God's grace is sufficient for every one of us. I know that only God can save us and pick us up out of the pits of hell, redeem us, wash away our sin, and make us a new creature in Christ Jesus. The world can't do that and nobody else. And why do you find people out there that disagrees with me? Because they're not settled on the Word of God. They're not... They don't have that doctrine. See, there's a doctrine of salvation. There's a doctrine of Christ. There's a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. There's a doctrine of sin. There's a doctrine of Satan. There's a doctrine of the church. And so, all this that we're talking about today is important. We've got to come back to all that. And I just mentioned a little list of them. Any questions? Right there. Any comment? Always feel free to speak up. Slow me down wave me down or something and we'll look at it and uh, try to get in because our our job is to try to learn all we can about the word of god here today amen in a short time we've got all right john 14 7 we're going to the new testament i'll give you a couple out of the new testament or three matthew mark luke and then john john 14 the 14th chapter is a blessing to me uh, it was the first um, scripture I used when I first started preaching. John 14 7 said, if you had known me. Now this is Christ. Uh, anybody got a red letter Bible in here? Ain't that red letters? Alright. If you had known me. I, I used to follow that pretty heavy but now I try to search out and I'm not against red letter Bibles. They've helped me so much down through the And sometimes I catch myself going and looking up scriptures in one of my red letter Bibles just to see if Christ is the one that said it. But usually I try to figure that out in my one that ain't red lettered here. I just try to take the context and say, hey, who's speaking this? And uh, sometimes though it's kind of, in certain instances there's places it's hard to recognize it's him speaking. But he says, if ye had known me, Christ speaking, you should, you should have known my what? Father. If you don't know Christ, you don't know the Father. We're going to deal with some of that 
uh, later. I probably not even get into it today. But this is such a tremendous study. This is this has seemed like be one of the simplest things, and one of the I guess elementary thoughts. And uh, some of you know more about it than you think you do. And the things we know more about seem like they lose interest in our heart. But these are important. These are the foundations of our Christian life. I'd hate to know I'm going to a Baptist church or any church as far as that's concerned and not know the difference between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they're important jobs that they do. This is this elementary. This is the kindergarten of our knowledge. And we're on that today. Where can I start? Should I start with the church? No. We start with the one that's started it all. God. So he said, If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen, seen him. Now you said, Nobody's seen God. But there's some other scriptures, and we'll talk about them later. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We'll get that when we get there. So God and Jesus are not the same, yet the same. <laughs> Does that make sense? Sound like contradiction, don't it? Uh, but you've seen one, you've seen the other. All right, then we go from there to John 17. John 17, 3. John, the Apostle John, the Disciple John, the beloved disciple, they called him, has given us more about this subject that I'm teaching on today than any of the others. All the others have got it, but he's, he's, he zeroed in on it. John 17, 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Learn several things here. That you might know God. That's the Father. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And we find here that God sent him. God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. Uh, God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. These are two different verses now. But to what? Not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. So see, uh, God sent him. God sent his son. Well, that's got to be two different people, in a sense, for God to send him. And we'll talk about that aspect as we get down in our study. And uh, we just appreciate it. Now let's go to the book of 1 John. To find 1 John, you can go, go to Revelation, back it up to uh, before Revelation is Jude, and then you've got 3 John, 2 John, and then 1 John. So 1 John uh, chapter number uh, 5. I was around in there, and I think I preached a little bit on this the other day. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 20. Years ago, I used to wonder when I, have I preached on this, when I preached on this. I quit worrying about it now. I can't keep up with it anyhow. And what's it matter? They said something about, this is a favorite song. I sing it a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I got favorite verses. I preach them a lot. <laughs> I like them. Let's preach them. 
First John chapter 5, verse 20 said, And we know that the Son of God is come. That's in His incarnation. We'll not deal with that right now. And hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. He puts them together. We'll come back to this first probably two or three times in the course of the study on this that we're doing. Any questions? Comments? All right. I'm confusing you or boring you to death? Hope I'm not boring you, amen. Huh? Turn it off. Yeah, or turn it around to somebody else. Y'all want the fan turned around on you? Bonnie wants it turned off of her. Turn it off if you don't want it. Well, if you flip that switch over yonder, hey, you could. That's fine. Just flip that on the wall over, and it went off. It'll get hot in a little bit in you. That's fine. No, I don't want it. I don't need it. Huh? It says God and Jesus are one, right? Yeah, there's another place, yeah. I and the Father are one, he says. I and the Father are one. God is God, uh, God is God and Jesus is God. Holy Spirit is. Yeah. Well, we're going to be dealing with the Trinity in this. Yeah. But I understand where you come. Somebody said, how can two be one? Okay. Every marriage. If you understand it to the full point, I'm scared. That's what I'm trying to say. They are different. They're not, they're not, the, they're not, they're, they're, they're the same. But, all right. When me and my wife got married back uh, October first, nineteen sixty-five, uh, she was in her little world, Irving family, and I was in my little world of the Dills family. But when the preacher brought us together, and we took those vows together, he said, "You may now kiss the bride." And he said, "Now, God has already said that in the Book of James." These two are one. Now I don't understand that. My wife, she was her. I was me. I know. I understand it. But I'm just trying to explain to you. This is the same thing. God is going to give us that to where we can understand it, but we don't want to comprehend it. Right. That's true. So my wife, she didn't look like me, <laughs> and I didn't look like her. Right. But we were one. Right. Huh? She was your feminine side. You know, I know. When you live with someone 53 years, yeah, you, know, you say. You always know what they're thinking. You know what they want. Yeah, you know. I know. It is. You are like one. Yeah. You think together, but you still are, are different. Yeah. The only thing is, you can't carry that. But so far, uh, the Godhead 
there's no no division. There's never been an argument between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Never. There's never been a disagreement. They've never either, never another had none of that. Not that it's not so with husbands and wives. And it's because you know why, don't you? You know why it's that way? Because a husband and a wife, a wife will have her own feeling and desire and, and um, thought, and a man will have, and they will be different, and they're selfish. There's no selfishness in the triune Godhead. No selfishness. They all have the same thing. Now that blows my little brain, and if I could accept that today, and could under, well, I do accept it. But if I could explain that today, uh, ooh, that'd scare me. Because that means I'm on the level of God and I ain't. And never will be till I get a new body like unto Him. We'll be like Him one of these days, for we shall see Him as He is. I don't see Him as He is 100% yet. I may see Him more so than anybody in the world or maybe other people out in the world, but not... You know what I'm saying, don't you? I'm not trying to confuse the issue. But there's a lot of people who don't even understand what part I understand of it. There's people who understand more of what I understand and could teach me a lot of things. But we're, we're finite. It goes back to what I said. He's infinite. No limit to his abilities. We're going to talk about that. Some, somehow he gives you that understanding deep within your heart. You you can do that since you know Christ. You you have a feeling. If you don't have Christ, you can't do it right. That right. You can't do it if you don't belong right. to the Lord. Right. That's right. Which is going to bring on some more study here in just a minute. All right. Now, we I give you them. Now, I want to talk about. What the knowledge of God, if you know God like God is, what that will do for you. I'll give you four things that you want to write this down. The more you know of God, these four things will be more prominent. Number one, the more you know of God, it will be offered to you for instruction. It'll instruct you. The more you know of God will bring more of God's instruction to your life. And... He'll give you a sound and a sane view of the world, of sin, of eternity, of life, death, and every other thing in the world. You know why so many people right now have an odd look at things in the world and why they got such crazy ideas? They don't know God. God will instruct you. It's just down in your conscience. He he puts those things down in your conscience, and it's there. Uh, before I got saved, I had a different view of the church, had a different view of the Bible, had a different view of the world, had a different view of everything. Yeah. But once I got saved, now I got a heavenly view, not a worldly view, but a heavenly view that God has changed me. And things I used to do, I don't do anymore. I've changed that. Amen. Or God's changed it. I had changed it. And so we appreciate it. Amen. I'm going to 